We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the Brocast. Today, I'm excited to jump back in with Matt and uh, sit down and go through the Brotherhood Breakfast from March with Stephen Posey. Matt, hello. How are you doing? Good to see you. And uh, let's uh, let's kick this thing off. Hey, Evan. Yeah, great to be here once again. Uh, spring is upon us and exciting, an exciting time. Uh, I really enjoyed the breakfast. I'm excited to talk about it. It's already made an incredible impact in my life thus far. So, of course, I'm excited to hear your perspective because they're always <laughs> different. That's the great thing about God is he brings out a different perspective, a different slice of him through every single every single different individual. So, yeah, man, let's get into it. What do you want to hit up first? Well, I hope I can articulate it because I actually started digging in a little bit to some of the scriptures that Stephen referenced. And as I was uh, reading those, like he was paraphrasing a lot of them, but uh, you know, I, I'm going to try to develop some of those because I think it gives a much better picture. And, and hopefully, uh, as we kind of go through it, it also kind of shapes what he was saying a little bit better. Uh, not to say that he didn't shape it well. I think he did a really great job of it, but I feel like I got even more out of it when on the back end, I dove in and kind of said, okay, what is what is Hebrews 1 talking about? What is Matthew, the, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 21, when we're looking, or 521, when we're looking at that Sermon on the Mount, what was he really saying? And what was he, what was he really trying to communicate with all those things? Because I think it gives it a little bit more context. And I don't know that you always have as much time to, to dive into that when you're, you're kind of up there speaking. So hopefully we can dig into that and I can do it justice. Uh, Cause I was, as I was reading it, I'm like, okay, this makes that much more sense to me, like the motivation behind it. But I think really what Steven was uh, trying to communicate and trying to kind of tap into with what we're trying to do with brotherhood and the, the purpose behind brotherhood is taking a, a step back and looking at biblical manhood taking a step and looking at okay what does that look like who what are some good examples of that and ultimately where does that take us uh if we are uh being uh in what Christ would describe or God would would describe as a uh, a man of God what does that mean and i think that that for me was a really unique challenge that uh, kind of in this brotherhood journey, I think it's something that we're walking towards, but it wasn't something that really jumped out to me and said, okay, like every single day I should strive to be this kind of man. Uh, I, I would look at things like people that are successful and say, I want to be a successful person. Or I would look at even some people that would be, you know, spiritual and, and how they in, in, uh, integrate their uh, spirituality, their, their, their walk with Christ into their lives. But it, I don't know that the, the actual term spiritual uh, manhood or biblical manhood crossed my mind. And so for me, it was kind of like a new, it was a new uh, perspective to look through when I'm just kind of going through my, my day by day. And it, it was a little frustrating because as, as we kind of get deeper and deeper into it, uh, and Stephen alluded to it, <laughs> It's really hard to do. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like absolutely. I'm not very I'm not very good at it. Yeah, no kidding. It's that's the great thing about discipleship. And Stephen, of course, he mentions in his 
uh, his message that he is kind of a discipleship role throughout the church and discipleship is layer upon layer upon layer. And you're right. You, you mentioned getting more out of it that second time around, third time around, I get more and more. And the Holy Spirit continues to point out more and more areas that I need to look at that he wants to begin to work in. And really it is a layered upon layered approach. And it's, it's that and the brothers around you that really maintain this spiritual walk that you can walk through and actually make it and see change and growth and development in your own self. That's what I love about walking through with both Christ by my side and then other brothers who are walking with me is I see real change in myself. And that is incredibly important to me. Yeah. And I, I think that as we're able to walk side by side with our brothers and, and we see the growth in ourselves as well as the growth in other people, it gives us a blueprint uh, for those step-by-step uh, actions that we can take as we move towards being more like Christ. Stephen kind of let it all off with, you know, when we're, tr- when we're talking about uh, being a godly man or, or having biblical manhood, you know, he went to the default, which is the answer is always Christ, right? It's yeah. always Jesus, which, yeah. you know, Part of, part of that is just humorous to me, not in the sense that uh, to, to belittle that statement, but it feels like that's the, always the answer. So it's, it's one of those things where you're sitting there going, of course, it's Christ. You know, you know Moses, he made a pretty good case for Moses. He made a pretty good case for Solomon. Uh, and I think those are people that were, again, striving to be like Christ. Um, but ultimately, when he brought up Hebrews 1.3, he, he said that Jesus is the radiance of of God's glory, the exact imprint of his nature. And I had to look up radiance because to me, that was like, that was like a glowing light. But ultimately when I actually looked up the definition of radiance, it's a light or heat as emitted or reflected by something. And the reflection part was, was something that kind of stood out to me because, you know, we're, we've talked in previous podcasts about uh, podcasts about trying to be the reflection of Christ that if if it's if it's ourself that you know we're trying to do this on our own there's not much of a reflection that happens but when we steward what we're going through we're ultimately deferring all of those things to Christ and not not because of me I'm pointing back I'm reflecting Christ and I'm saying it's it's because of him I'm able to do those things so right off the bat I felt like it tied really closely into some of the the things that we've tried to develop and we've uh, are striving for as brothers, which is to be that true reflection of God and knowing that uh, it was God and Christ, but knowing that Christ is the perfect example of that, who is the the radiance of God, and that that gives us the closeness, that gives us that ability to be close to God because you know God being what He is it's very difficult for us to kind of be that close to God, but Jesus is that reflection. He's that step. He's that model that we can try to attain to because he came down to our level and said, here's, here's what that, that manliness looks like. Here's what it means to be uh, the reflection of God. Yeah. I was going to actually was thinking the same thing when you mentioned, of course, Jesus is always the answer. All the men he mentions, Noah, Solomon, uh, David, uh, all the grand champions in the Bible, they're little slices of that image of Christ and that image of God. So, yeah, of course, Jesus is the manliest man, but it's those little slices that help me point out areas that I don't am not walking in that image, maybe areas in which I am reflecting that image, as you mentioned. And I think that's an incredible thing he began to, you know, he started talking about shaping and molding 
And that's what we are. Even Paul says that we are being molded almost back into the image that we are created in. Remember he said in Romans, he's right. like, renew your mind, renew your mind. Well, you're going, You, if we were originally supposed to start out as the image of Christ, we're not that. Once we kind of get into the thick of things, you know, there's some probably childhood spaces that people talk about where we still reflect Christ. But eventually, once sin enters and it's a consistent part of your life, you do not reflect Christ. And then our job through the scripture becomes this discipleship journey of molding. It's not even a, it's a molding, but it's a shaping by getting rid of things back yeah. into that image we were created in. Oh, great point. Well, so I'm glad you brought up Romans because that was another one that I kind of uh, dove down into a little bit. It's Romans 8 is what he what he mentioned. And if if you've been going to church for a while or, or listening to kind of people talk, Romans 8, I think, is something that you you hear about a lot in Scripture. Like there's a lot of statements in Romans that I think just as Christians we we tend to say over and over again because it's, it, a lot of it's foundational. So I, I encourage you, if you have not read Romans 8, um, this is a great opportunity to dive into that. But one of the things that Romans 8 establishes is a, is our flesh, which is – like our bodies, that's that's kind of who we are. That's our that's our nature. So our nature is prone to go away from God. Like that's our our selfish desires. That's that's our our wants. And uh, I think he had said something about um, like I need, I need, I need. And I think that that is just like the default, right? So if if I'm if I wake up in the morning. For the most part, I'm going to default towards self-preservation, comfortability, and the things that benefit myself. Um, now, that may be me, I, Matt. I'm sure you think differently, but that's that's usually how I feel uh, every morning. But the that's our, so that's our flesh, and that's the battle. Uh, but to be more like Christ, to be uh, to ex, uh, exhibit biblical manhood, is to go the opposite direction of your flesh. And I think that Romans 8 provides the answer to that because what he's saying is if we have Christ living inside of us, it's the spirit of Christ that brings you from death to life. Uh, we, uh, if I, I think it says in 8.15, for you have not received the spirit of slavery leading again to fear, but have received the spirit of adoption as sons, as we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit himself testify and confirms together with our spirit that we are children of God. God is pulling us in that direction. So when, when we ask him into our heart, when we, we make him a part of our life, that's that spirit of God that begins to guide us away from sin, away from our flesh, away from our selfish desires towards being molded like Christ. And that, man, for me, uh, in the context of what Stephen was saying, uh, I, I almost had to read it multiple times because it, it meant more and more every single time. It made it, uh, it made more sense, which, you know, it feels weird to say, but it just, it was that much more impactful for me. And that's good. Yeah. That's him leading now, you know, he's coming up to this point where he's going to start pointing out some areas in our life that need to be remolded or molded into the image of God. And the idea that, that behind that he's continually working and shaping us is a tremendous asset. I still am pulling on it on a daily basis, just from that message alone. Yeah. Well, the, I think the part that really helped me was, you know, Christ feels like this impossible standard. Like you mm -hmm. think about the 
the trials that he went through, just the, you know, when we get to the end part of this, there's just the, the walk to the cross, that journey to the cross, like how much adversity, how much hate and anger he had to walk through to get there. I would have caved. I, I wouldn't have been able to, I wouldn't have been able to handle all that, but he went through that, uh, walking in love and walking in patience. And those are things that, man, it, if there was a time to be angry, like that was the time. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> for me, that's that impossible standard of like my, it, because of my flesh, because of my selfish desires, it's, I don't even know where to start to get there, but knowing that, you know, his spirit inside of me is pulling me in that direction. That gives me hope that, that, that tells me that I can walk closer and closer and shape closer and closer towards that, even though it's against my nature. And I think that, you know, for, for, for me listening to this and, and hopefully for the, you know, the brotherhood listening to this, to know that we can't do this alone. We cannot through our own goodness be like Christ. Like it's, it's an impossible journey. We need him. Uh, and we need to surrender to him uh, to get even close to that. And I think that, you know, if you truly understand that part of it, um, everything that Christ has done for us makes that much more more sense and is that much more valuable to us. Well, he fills in the gap that we can't make. You right. know, inevitably in every single thing I do, I fall short. And Paul even mentions it. He says we all fall short of the glory of God. We do. Mm-hmm. We fall short. And for so long I saw that through the lens of, well, I'll never be perfect. And because I'll never be perfect, Jesus was perfect. He kind of covers that. I don't I'm not even adequate. Like I'm beyond perfect's not even an option. Like it's not even a near reality. I'm inadequate to do anything. I want to frame this in such a way that it doesn't just get waxed cold in our Christian ears because we hear that phrase all the time. But Jesus makes up the different gap, that that space. And it's not through luck or through some kind of, he does it through me, but in the midst of God working through me to make up the space of adequacy, I think that's what I'm trying to communicate is I feel inadequate. In myself, I arrive inadequate, and very often I arrive at the point where I've done everything I can do, and then I be- God begins to work through me, through wisdom, through more energy, through people working around me, and it makes up that space so that at the back end of when I get there, that's what I get frustrated with the inadequacy perspective is we all feel inadequate. And inevitably, preachers get up on the stage and they say it, or people like us get on there and they say, oh, you know, we just fall short, we fall short. Yes, we stop short, but through Christ working through my experiences, through working through me, I end up landing, not perfection, that, that's not coming, but a landing on the spot God wanted me as far as walking in the will of God in my life, my marriage, my relationships. But that last gap is so clear to me that God is working through me that it's hard to take the credit. I start to understand now why people stand up. And I don't mean like celebrities. They thank God for ridiculous reasons. But I mean, people who <laughs> have really done incredible things and they get up there and they're like, it's all God, all God. I used to think, how is it all God? It's not all God, it's you. But it really is. You get to that space where you lack a capacity to finish and you realize I'm doing something that I am not actually capable of doing. God is moving through me. This wisdom I'm getting, these decisions I'm making, those are coming to me from a different space. I'm not figuring out those intellectually. That is coming from my inner man where God is speaking to me. And I'm, whether it is making decisions or working through things, you know, we were just talking earlier, I'm navigating some things through business right now that I don't feel equipped for. I don't have it. And yet 
I find myself every day waking up, showing up, and that part, and then I start working through, and we get to the end, and there's success. We get to the end, and there's success, and there's a few bumps along the way where I'm like, ah, I didn't measure up, but man, when God starts to work through you, he fills that space so much. It's this odd space that I can watch myself do it, but I cannot take personal credit for it, at least to myself. Yeah. So the, what you're, what you're describing that in ag, at inadequacy, that's a fun word to say inadequacy <laughs> that, that itself. So I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to dwell on that for a minute. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're going to be my, my test subject. When you feel inadequate, what does inadequacy produce? Okay, so bring it. So this is like my life right now. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm I'm deep in the droves of inadequacy. So okay, so there's a couple of things I've learned of myself that inadequacy produces. So I rarely recognize it when I hit it. Right. So rarely. Now I've lately I've been doing it because God has been walking me through a similar, like he's been asking me similar questions. So rarely early on did I recognize when I hit this inadequate spot where I realized that. I don't have it. I don't have what I need right now to fill this, the rest of this gap. So there's a couple different places I go. So one place that I've learned recently that I'm going to, it's truthfully, it's a little embarrassing to say is I go to this, like, it's a fantasy world, but we always associate fantasy with wrong things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like this. I start picturing myself. Oh yeah. If I just did this, I go viral. And then I, Oh, what if I did this? And then boom, I just blew up. And then it's like I'm solving all my problems with this outside surprise that happens or this outside like uh, something I totally didn't know. And it's bypassing all the hard work. It's bypassing the actually the grueling part of training my people, the grueling part of walking through sales when you're at a place where you're like, man, I'm capped. Like I don't have any more sales capacity in me. Like I started – so then – that was the first thing God brought to my mind. So then I was like, I got to pull that down. So then I start going to, this is what Stephen talked about. Now I get frustrated and I get angry. Mm -hmm. I'm getting upset at people. You know, I've got some great team members, like guys that I mean would, they won't die for me like that, but it kind of feels like that. Like they'll, they're there early, they stay late. And then one of them, you know, needs some extra accommodation. They need to be off or they need to be, you know, something surprising to me. And it hits that spot, that little inadequacy where I move from, adequate. I had things rolling to now I'm inadequate. I can't accomplish this. And I want to like pop off, blow up, like, and just force the, the situation. And I mean, really I'm damaging the relationship by forcing it when they're I'm not talking about guys that are not putting pulling their side. I'm talking about guys that are pulling their side that need a little bit of space. And they're like, I just didn't, you know, I didn't realize this is coming up. Well, so I'm having to back off and be like, whoa, relax. That guy is pouring everything he's got. He doesn't deserve you to rip him right now. Maybe nobody deserves me to rip them, but some guys, they bring it on. But either way, that's so th that anger spot, this frustration spot. And then, I mean, it's it's a sense of sense of failure is way overused. It's this. It's disappointment. I'm okay. disappointed. And who am I disappointed in? Me. I'm disappointed in me. Like, I did not measure up. So those three things bring along this, like, if I don't start taking it to God and I don't get in the presence of Jesus, you know, I wrote this down and it's because it, it mattered to me. Practice the presence of Jesus. Stephen said this, practice the presence of Jesus. It will shape you into Jesus. So in that moment of inadequacy, I have to retreat to this space of God's presence and remind myself that I 
am not the show here. It is not me on a stage performing. It is me surrendered to God, walking in what he has for me. And if I fail, I fail. If I succeed, I succeed. So I hope that answers your question. But in short, those are the three things I hit. When I feel inadequate, first of all, I don't recognize it. How I recognize it is by symptoms. If I start seeing myself pretending that I'm going to go amazing in business, I'm going to be a cajillionaire in like 10 days and like stupid stuff like that. Or I catch myself frustrated, angry at people that nobody, nobody deserves that anger response. Or then the final thing, I'm just, I just have a sense of despondence because I'm just disappointed in my lack. That's it. Yeah. Well, I, and I'm not saying that this is what causes all anger, but I think this is kind of a part of that, that path. Inadequacy uh, it really for me leads to frustration. And I have found that I make some of the worst decisions and I treat people the worst when I'm frustrated. That's good. And I think that when you can recognize that that frustration is caused by an inadequacy that maybe you don't have control over, I think that's when we get further on to where we need Christ. Like the more Christ is in your life, the more that spirit is guiding you in what you do. You even said it. You said when you're frustrated, there's two different responses that you have. Do you remember them? You have one where you're just like, okay, step back for a minute. This guy maybe doesn't deserve this. Like, like he's got some stuff going on. I can, I can get through this. <clears throat> That's spiritual patience because in your mind, oh, that person yeah. has earned that patience. Okay. This, this is where we, this is where we start to divide the line a little bit. So yeah, they start yeah. going the direct, yeah. they start going the direction of, Hey man, uh, you know, I totally forgot about this and you are going, I know that that's not normal for you. So I will give you, I will, I will give you grace. I will give you patience because of X, Y, and Z that you've done in the past, or I know this about you, but then there's the other side, the people that test you, the people that maybe haven't earned that patience and, or maybe you haven't developed that additional grace to allow, uh, to them. Cause you feel like, uh, you're either being taken advantage of, or you feel like there's, there's, you know, so much pressure on you to perform, to do stuff. Now this person's not helping you achieve what you promised you were going to do. This frustration builds and you're just, you just don't know what to do with it. And I think that's the dangerous one. Uh, because like you said, that leads from to anger and ultimately disappointment. Uh, what I would say is based on what Steven's kind of going through and, uh, and I'll, I'll jump forward a little bit when, when he was talking about the sermon on the Mount and he was talking about how, <clears throat> like, if you're just, it, it's, it says in the 10 commandments, thou shalt not kill. But, but what God was saying or what Jesus was saying in the, the sermon on the Mount was even if you're angry with somebody, like there will be judgment for that. And that goes back to that impossible standard. And that goes back to, um, just an, an inadequacy going, God, I'm going to get angry at people. Like, you know, when he was talking about Raha, you empty headed fool is what, what my, my, my Bible said. Um, uh, I say that a lot, <laughs> maybe not in those words, <laughs> oh my but God. I'm like, <clears throat> but like, you know, something happens. I'm like, will you look at this idiot? Can you believe what this guy's doing? Like, and that's, I'm, I guess I'm saying Raha an awful lot, but I think ultimately when you're looking at what God, what God was talking about in the sermon about why it's so important that you are not angry, why he has, uh, why he says there'll be judgment for your anger, why he's saying, don't even come to me until you take care of this situation because I know your heart's not in the right place. I, I think 
the reason that was so important, and I'm trying to find it in my notes here, was because when you think about Christ and being shaped like, like him, you want to be in a situation where you have that patience for people, even people that are not deserving. Mm-hmm. Like when he talks in the Sermon on the Mount, when he gets to the end of it and he's talking about loving your neighbor, he's talking about how if you love your neighbor uh, because of whatever reasons, like you know, because they're good looking or wealthy or whatever else, he said, even the Pharisees do that. Yeah. He said, that's not that's true good. love. But the real love, the real love is loving people who cannot reciprocate that love back to you. Yeah. And that's what, that's what Christ is. And so when you think about what is love, love is patient. Love is kind. That's, that patience is the first thing that he says, that love is patient. And patient is produced mm. through that frustration by, by, by God's love, taking a step back, taking a moment, get, you know, surrendering it to God. And producing that love. So for me, it starts just circling. And that's, I think that's why uh, when I was kind of reading all this, I'm like, man, I hope I can articulate all this because in my mind, it's it's like the puzzles just coming together. And I'm sitting there going, why does God not want me to be angry? Why does God not want me to, or why does he put such a weight on the judgment behind anger? It's because he's love and he wants us to love other people. He wants us to be that reflection of him. And if I'm angry, that's not a reflection of Christ. That is not a reflection of love. I'm not showing patience. I am not being loving. And so for me, my challenge is, uh, can I express patience and be slow to anger and be more like Christ? And if I can achieve that, if I can take steps in that direction through that spiritual molding that we're talking about, through uh, through brotherhood, through through being around the right kinds of people, they're going to walk side by side with me and do life with me. And that can be examples to me. And hopefully I can be an example to them. Then I think I get closer to that patience to where there is that situation where there's a person who's undeserving and I'm frustrated and I don't want to express love to them. And I don't want to be nice and I don't want to be patient, but be by surrendering my will to Christ, I can exhibit love to that other person. And that's, that's the ultimate goal. Man, that's good. So good. You know, I like, man, what you said about patience is huge. And really, the I described my own actions. Oftentimes, I'm giving patience to people who earn it. And here Jesus is trumping yeah. all that. He's giving patience to everybody. And that's navigation in itself. Because I'll tell you, as a business leader, man, patience in that sense is a challenge. Because you you have to reformulate. So not confronting the guy who no matter what they've done, you know, so confronting the guy who maybe has earned it uh, through his previous behavior is a little bit different. You know, it's a little more like, man, you are, you're killing it on a daily basis. You got to give me a little bit better communication. I mean, this is obviously my unique situation I just talked about, but confronting it in the, the guy who's quote unquote earned it is one way because that there's probably some relationship built there. He, He probably understands that he's earned it. He probably is also, not going to repeat said things, you know, guys, their pattern is pretty consistent. But then the other guys, as a business leader, you get into this space where like, okay, I can't let them keep doing it. But I also, if I'm going to respond to the challenge of spiritual patience, I'm also not going to blow up and respond in a way that's not loving. 
So then that becomes this navigation of how do I present this challenge to him? This where this individual is not walking within the guidelines of said role. We'll say it like that. So it's a little bit general, but how do I present this in a loving manner? You know, because Proverbs also talks about that wounds from an enemy or wounds from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy. Yeah. Wounds from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy, implying that true friendship, the love that is in between um, two friendships. And we're, of course, we're not talking romantic love here, but we're talking about still as a boss, as a leader, both of us, we've got to love quote unquote, our employees or team members, or, you know, even our, the, our lead, our answer tos or whoever we report to in a way. And so Jesus models that confrontation and that's where love is patient. Love is kind. Love believes all things, bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things. But in the midst of that, love also talks to somebody and says, hey, this is what's going on. This has to stop. And if it doesn't stop, this is what has to be the response. Not from a personal sense, but from a, this we can't run a business like this, or we can't run an organization, whoever happens to be listening to this. So that I just wanted to point out for my own self, because it's my own challenge in navigating <laughs> the guys that, because God brought them in my, the way I see it as a business owner. And this, there's a fine line, most definitely. But God brought those guys into my life for a reason. I hired them. You know, the bare knuckle reason is learning to hire the right guys. But after that, you're still getting guys that need development. You're still getting people. And this goes for business owners, uh, managers, leaders, supervisors. This goes for people who have nothing but volunteers. I mean, this is just leading people. You still got, they're in your life for a reason. They've been given a moment of influence both on you and you on them for a reason. And love has to be acted to see the right result. See God move through and impact their life like he wants to and like he's hoping to through you. It's got to work through love. So you still walk this line of how do you love somebody well when they need to be confronted with the challenges they're presenting? It's, I mean, that's that's the navigation and the question that's inside that spiritual patience. It's like patience with that person, even in the midst. So here's what I'm trying to communicate. Patience does not mean you don't confront. Patience doesn't mean things don't need to change. Patience is our spiritual response to, I'm going to care for this person the way Christ has and make sure I treat them as an individual that reflects, what you were talking about earlier, reflects the image of God, and I treat them in that way even in the midst of having to present something that's uncomfortable or seemingly negative. I love that you're kind of processing this out loud right now, because I know that <laughs> you're kind of thinking through yeah, like, I'm right there. <laughs> All right, I, need, I need to handle this situation. I have a feeling you're going to go back and listen to this a couple of times. And you're like, man, that guy was giving some really good I advice. Can't. Oh, wait, that, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Oh my gosh. It's so true. <laughs> but, uh, with, but, but through all that, what I, what I think um, what I'm hearing is that, uh, and, I, and I can relate to as well, is that you, I think we have this uh, need for justice in our, in our yeah, lives. Both. Yeah. And, and we have like a yearning for it. So like, we don't want to be taken advantage of. And I think that when you think about um, giving grace to somebody or being patient with somebody, you feel like you're being walked over and you feel like that I don't deserve that. I need just, I need that person to know that they have taken advantage of the situation. So I still need to have that conversation, which I think you absolutely do. I, I, I don't disagree with that. But I think that what, what I would say from a biblical manliness perspective is that you can have that conversation, 
without anger. You can have that conversation without tearing a person down. You can have that conversation and point back to Christ. And I think that that's kind of the difference when, when he was talking about, you know, turning the other cheek uh, and, and kind of the, the audacity of that statement and how, you know, even when he was standing up there, he's like, I know that you said it. And I know that that's something that I'm supposed to do, but I just, I just don't, it, it's so countercultural to me. And then I think that part of that's that battle of your flesh. It's just pulling against the nature of God, the heart of God. So that ties for me to justice is like, I feel like that person deserves it. If you're going to punch me, then in my mind, or you're going to attack me, or you're going to take advantage of my business, there should be consequences for that. So I want to have that justice. So you know that you've wronged me or you've done that stuff. And so I think that's where people sometimes get hung up where they say, I don't, I don't want to exhibit love because I'm going to get walked over and I'm going to get taken advantage of. And I don't think that that is biblical manliness either. I don't, I don't think uh, being a, a doormat yeah, is, is what, what Christ is talking about. But I think that the more difficult path and the path that points to Christ is one that can confront without frustration, that can confront in love and can use that situation to uh, find the resolution, but without it having to be like, you have wronged me, you have frustrated me, because it's what we said in the beginning, it's not about you. And I think that's something that we want to hold on to because we feel like it is. We feel like it's this is my business, this is my income for, for my ability to support my family, or I have to report to my bosses and I don't want to be yelled at. So I'm going to yell at you first because I don't want to get yelled at by whoever I'm held responsible to. Yep. And I think that you know when we look at those situations, uh, you know, he talked a little bit about kind of his road rage incident and, and talking about how, like, I know a guy and, I, and I, I know that if I do these things that I can get some of these results. But I, I think that that anger, that full tilt uh, adrenaline rush that you get from being angry is a it's a false manhood and it gets mm, results, but it doesn't always get the results that you want long-term, like it gets short-term results. And uh, I found this quote online that um, for me was very insightful. And I think it ties in perfectly to this. It's anger is one letter short of danger. Whoa, think, that's huge. Love that. <laughs> yeah. So you just add a D to there and you're, you're there. And I, I think that we naturally go towards being angry because that's, maybe our natural tendency, but it gets results. And it, as he said, it almost works, but it's always followed by regret. I, I can't think of one instance where I got angry at somebody and I just went off on them and I broke them. I broke them mentally because I berated them. I never walk away from that situation and go, man, that was that was the best. I feel so good about myself. I'm so glad I did that because I've destroyed something. I've destroyed that relationship. I've destroyed, I've destroyed my, uh, people's perception of me. Um, I've, I've now presented myself as somebody who cannot, you know, 
keep their cool, who cannot control, I can't control myself. So how can I control somebody else? Not saying that I need to control somebody else, but how can I lead somebody else if, if I can't lead myself well? And so just, just knowing that, that regret comes with anger doesn't necessarily mean that we avoid anger, but I think that's something that we have to remind ourselves of because there's a lot of danger that comes with being angry. Yeah, that's, that's huge. That's tremendous. What a great perspective, great insight. You know, that Steven spent most of his time talking about anger and giving us stories and ideas and thoughts that we had to reflect upon in our own life. Of course, he responds with it, with patience. Patience is the antidote to anger. I wrote something down that to me is the following next step to what you were just talking about. And when I say for me, like literally for me um, <laughs> today, at least. So we don't even down. need to broadcast this one. This one, no, this one this landed is, on its target audience, right? right exactly. Here. I know it's uh, it's already there. Uh, I wrote down, Steven said this willpower. So remember he did that test, the cookie test, and then yeah. they gave him a problem that they couldn't solve. So it's two different test groups of people. And what they're doing is testing willpower. And the short end of the results is that willpower is limited in that you can't constantly manufacture willpower. We all know this to be true, even though we don't want to recognize it. Eventually, your willpower for a diet or for a new venture, you know, I, I call it emotional energy. Like that emotional energy, it runs out. What he said was that willpower is limited, save for one thing. This is the one thing they found you could do with your willpower eternally, nonstop, without fail, without tiring, and that is surrender. You can always surrender your own willpower. And is that not what Christ calls us to do? Isn't that the very thing that almost we balk at? We're like, no, you know, I don't want, but yet that's what we're made to do. Our willpower is made to say, okay, I'm coming up underneath Christ's leadership here. I'm coming up under God that my willpower here, one, is limited, and two, could be aimed at the wrong thing in anger sense. And that remind me, of course, what Jesus says in the garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but your will be done. He's feeling that very thing, his lack of adequacy, his probably some anger at, I mean, some of his disciples that are poor followers at that moment. And one's about to betray him. And yet his response is, I don't want to do this. And I don't really want, now this is the human side of Christ, of course. I don't want to do this whole dying on the cross thing. I don't really want to do it for these said people. And yet I know that you want to do it through me. The human side, of course, of Christ. He has a divine side as well. But that moment where he says, not my will, but your will be done, is my repeatable moment every single day when I run into those spaces where my willpower wants to drive something home and destroy something. And yet God would say, surrender that, Matt. Surrender that, whoever's listening. And that I can do consistently and constantly. And that is that spot where I find myself inadequate and Christ begins to make up the difference through me. Even though my my arms and mouth are doing the motions, this, there's a very strong sensation that I'm getting this from somewhere else. It took me a little bit to comprehend what he was saying because I felt like willpower is, is kind of the opposite of, of surrender. It's, it's giving – it's that longevity to be able to endure. Uh, and he said that it was 
uh, willpower was created to surrender. And so I, I, I honestly, I'm going to have to unpack that a little bit more because that one still does not like one in one does not equal two on that one. And that's, yeah. that's one that like, it just, it feels weird. But the thing that he did say that connected with me was that willpower will outsource decisions. Like a, oh, as you continue good, yeah. to start, you know, recognizing that I need to surrender, whatever, these decisions or surrender these situations to Christ and allow him to work. You ultimately are, again, going back to what he was talking about in the beginning, you're shaping your willpower to uh, make, instead of making those decisions based on your own motives, to to outsource those decisions to what 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 Christ says, to, to, to you know, what his will for your life is. And I think that that's one of those things that we we start to get patience we start to have the ability to you know take ourselves out of it when we surrender because i'm not in, i'm not invested anymore or i'm not invested as heavily as i am more when i think it's it's me when i when i think it's i'm i'm the one doing this thing um so when i begin to surrender to those things it's like that burden is lifted we weren't designed to carry that burden i, I don't i don't think we were ever to do it because it's it's not our job to build our own lives uh to get glory for something it's to reflect and so we're just physically not designed to that which is probably why the being the the god who created us created our willpower to surrender to him i mean it, it makes it makes that much more sense uh when you look at it from a like I was a created being created for a purpose to do these things. And if, if I know that my job as a man is to uh, exhibit godly manliness and the, the example of that is Christ, what did Christ do uh, in those situations? He surrendered. He yep. surrendered those things and he modeled that for us. I don't think anything that happened from essentially when Christ was surrendered himself all the way to the cross. Technically, we probably didn't need to know any of that story. Hmm. I mean, or it's not that we didn't need to know. I think we did need to know. What, what, I, what I think is that those details are in the Bible so that we can experience and learn from how Christ handled the situation. Because really all he needed to do was die for our sins. He didn't, he didn't like, you know, the... Garden of Gethsemane and, and, uh, you know, carrying his cross and, uh, you know, Pilate washing his hands. We didn't, we didn't really need any of that. Uh, we just needed him to die for us and to die for our sins. But I think all of those things are put in there to show the character of God and to exhibit, um, an example for us to follow. And I think if you, if you recognize that, especially when you're reading the Bible or as you're, you're trying to become closer to Christ, um, recognize that there's a, a lot of those details are not just there. So you can go, Oh, that's nice. It, those are things that when you're in situations that are bigger than you, that you cannot control, that you are, you're having to do something that you do not want to do, but there's a model for you to follow. And I think that's the most important part of, of that entire journey. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, no, that, that is good. That's a, that's another, no, I, I think you round out, uh, a, much further this idea of willpower and its role in our life. And this is podcast is slowly becoming into something now about willpower and how to use it. And that's a whole nother topic in itself. Uh, but yeah, that's Jesus really responds. And I guess we're back to Jesus is the answer to everything because uh, <laughs> Stephen carefully crafts his 
message and he's putting a call back in here to earlier where he mentions these different manly men. In fact, he mentions a couple of different stories when I was listening. I love this about great speakers is they're crafting different stories and he reflects each of them in a small way towards the other men he mentions, Noah, these other guys that are manly men in the Bible. But then, of course, ends it with Jesus doing the very thing he's concluding in our answer to how do we deal with anger? How do we employ patience? Because that's where that surrender to willpower comes in into play. It's the middle. It's the transition from anger to patience. You employ patience to uh, resolve your anger by using surrendering your willpower. When you surrender that willpower, when you surrender that prideful drive, you get that moment of patience to say, okay, not my will, but your will be done here, Lord, at least for these next few minutes until I have to do it again. <laughs> Man, tremendous. I think it all ties in. I, you know, willpower is kind of what I think what, what builds to the anger and the frustration because the frustration happens because our willpower is limited. And so that's where we, we need to get to that point of, of just surrendering and giving it to God and allowing him to kind of work through that situation. One of the things that I actually, uh, partly of what Steven said in the, in the, the message, but also just kind of uh, walking through some of life with some of uh, my friends was uh, the prayer that, that he said, where he just said, you know, Jesus help. I can't, but you can when, when he was talking about surrender or come Holy Spirit. And I think it's just inviting him in to those situations. And I, I think the novel thing was that we expect it, that you need to have this like, you know, two hour uh, intercession to have Christ mm, yes, good. You know, come help you in that situation. But ultimately, I mean, that's, that's not the prayer. I mean, the, the prayer can be as simple as Jesus help. I can't, you can. Or come Holy Spirit, just, you know, I'm inviting you into this, this situation and I'm inviting you to help me through this. When I think of being spiritual or having a relationship with Christ, uh, I don't think of those three word, four word prayers. I think of like so much more, but I think I'm making it more complex than it needs to be. I think God and Jesus want us to involve him in our, our decisions and in our lives and sometimes it's just as simple as just saying, you know, I'm frustrated right now. And I know that that is a, that is a signal that is telling me that yes. I'm trying to take control of this situation. Uh, and I'm not designed for that. And I, my willpower wants me to fight this. My willpower wants justice and it wants to be able to accomplish this thing. And I think that if I'm operating your purpose, I will, will accomplish that thing. But I, I'm going to surrender this situation to you and recognize that it's not about me. It's not about this situation. And I just want you to, I, I just want you to help because I can't do it. And when I, as soon as I say that, again, there is that relief, that burden is lifted. And, you know, kind of going back to uh, other things that we've talked about, I don't have to cope with the weight of those things. I don't have to go to turn to other things. I, I think, I think we're naturally naturally designed to turn to other things, but often we turn to things that are not Christ. We turn to things that are just going to numb us or, or push us, uh, or allow us to procrastinate and, and get away from the responsibility of those things. The sooner that you invite Christ into the situation, I think the sooner the the situation resolves itself. Um, you're still going to need patience. Uh, <laughs> oh. I, I've, I've definitely been in certain situations where the, you know, I, I was like, you know what? 
I'm still being patient. And the other part of surrender is it's not a one-time thing. I don't know if you've ever dealt with this, but I've been in situations where I'm like, like really stressed and I'm like, okay, God, I'm giving this to you. And then I go do something and I turn around and I'm stressed again. And I'm like, well, God, I already gave it to you. Like, mm-hmm. why do I have to surrender this again? And I'm like, okay, I give this to you. And I go turn yes. around and I blink and I'm yep. stressed again. I'm like, Man. I give this to you. I Surrender is not like I raise the white flag one time and I'm done. I almost think that in my experience, it, it, it can be a second by second uh, decision that you have to make because you know, those thoughts are coming into your mind left and right, and they're coming at a speed that I can't comprehend. And I just have to, every thought, nope, I surrender that. I surrender that. I surrender that. This is not my job. This, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm going to walk with, you know, with Christ on this. I'm not going to take it personally. I don't need this justice. I know that God will handle it. And, you know, then go back to Jesus help. I can't do it, but you can and, and help me through it. Man, that's good. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Moment by moment, surrender is this ongoing process. I can continually have to surrender my will to what God wants to do. And truthfully, the experience of it is I don't really know what he's doing necessarily. And I kind of know what I have to land on eventually, but I'm not sure what he's doing in me. I'm not sure what he's doing in others. And that frustrates me. It really does. But that's the surrender part. You know, you're like, oh, okay. So you get to run this show, not me. And that's the way it goes. <laughs> well, sometimes sometimes that situation is just an opportunity for you to build patience. And that is frustrating in itself. You're like, really? Yeah. I got to go through oh, all yeah. this just so I can learn a patience lesson? Exactly. Uh, like, come on. I don't, I don't want that. I, but okay. Like, show me, show me the way. And so to, I, I feel like this is a transition to it. So he talked about, fasting. He talked about kind of this, this journey to Easter that uh, we're doing as a church and how fasting is an opportunity to surrender. Like you get yourself in that situation where you're sitting there going, I am hungry. I'm, I'm so hungry that I'm angry. And fasting is intentionally putting yourself in that position to build patience yeah. uh, and to rely on Christ. And I, I never thought of fasting that way. I always thought it was like this, it's this spiritual thing that you do uh, to kind of show God, Hey, I'm really serious about this. I'm going to starve myself after, after this, I, I don't, I don't interpret it the same way. I, I interpret it as yeah, God, I'm creating a sp- opportunity and space for you to work inside of me. And that's a whole different uh, motivation for, for fasting and, and kind of taking breaks from stuff. I'm, I'm basically saying, God, I'm going to depend on you for these things. I'm not, I'm not going to go to this other stuff. I'm going to intentionally put myself in this, this position. Uh, and for me, that was, that was a kind of a, a light bulb moment. That's good. That's good. So good, man. Um, I think I talked too much. Uh, and no, you had, <laughs> I got, I got you had roll again. incredible things to say. I hope, you know, this is a um, shameless plug here, but I really do feel it. This is not just the marketer marketing inside us inside of us if you're listening and this matters put a review let us know how it matters if you if you don't want to do the whole we need reviews thing that's fine shoot us a text johnny a text me a text i think my number is on the uh deal that goes directly to me shoot a message to brotherhood let us know how this is impacting you because that matters that this is landing somewhere matters because if it's just me and Evan talking to each other, we can go have coffee and have a conversation somewhere else. 
But we really do believe God is moving and speaking through us, using our mouths to say the things that you need to hear. And if that's happening, drop us a line, drop us a note, let us know, because what that does, it does more than just so I told you a shameless plug, but yeah, it does. It helps us out with the whole outreach, but here's what else it does that it has nothing to do with five stars and all that. When other people read it, it sparks something in them that says, wow, I need what God just delivered to them. It gives them a piece of who God is in just a few short blurbs that says, man, when someone's read it and they've not listened to the podcast, they've not listened to the breakfast, they read that and they say, God bounces right there to them and they and it pulls on them and so and their spirits like get there get there get there get there get there and it becomes an evangelism tool to bring people to Christ that maybe the only maybe they're at the one two where all they will do is read reviews or read Facebook posts or read an Instagram post about brotherhood they're not going to go yet they're just going to read about it but it's that little bit of sharing from you whoever's listening that says boom Okay, I'm going to do that. It worked for that guy. Man, God spoke to that guy through these two. These two? Wow. Okay, if he could do that, then maybe he'll speak. <laughs> Wait <to> a minute. <laughs> you are now. Hold on a second. Hey, I was in there too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, no, I, uh, yes, obviously all those things help, but you know, ultimately it helps us reach a larger audience. And I think that we're t- we are talking about things that, that connect with guys. I, I will say what you're asking uh, you know, the brothers to do is, is counter- intuitive for guys guys don't we don't praise other guys like we're trying to be on top of the mountain so you know for 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 us to do something like that and leave a review for somebody that is definitely counter our uh our nature it's it goes against our flesh so you know hopefully if what we talked about today landed let's let's go the other direction let's let's go uh let's kind of go in direct conflict of what our flesh wants us to do because there is there is uh there is a purpose behind it and and that's what we're trying to accomplish so matt thank you so much for for hopping on this i i i I hope that we scratch the surface on some of the things that steven talked about and hopefully develop them a little bit more. I, I feel like we did. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to you know question it a little bit later on, but that's the beauty of this is we have other podcasts that we can hop on and, and dive into this stuff a little bit deeper. But uh, man, just from a brotherhood perspective, I, I hope these things challenge you. I hope these things take you to a, a place in your life that you're sitting there going, you know, I believe that there is more for me. I believe that there is a purpose that I'm, I'm, I need to work towards. Uh, and this helps drive you closer into that direction. Brothers, remember, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. We'll catch you on the next podcast.